Okay, this is Leonard Angelo. Uh, a magical motivation from nothing. Uh, weeds in the garden always do better than the ginger. Uh, it may give you purpose, but there's no market for it. Uh, checking the weather before entering the closet versus wearing your favorite outfit. Uh, a set list, mostly from the new album. And a dip in financial and emotional investments. Oh boy, what a list. Uh, three friend, uh, two friends of mine and myself are embarking on a journey of uh, producing books, self-publishing books. Now, when I say self-publishing, I don't mean uh, putting them on uh, Lulu or whatever and uh, getting them out on Amazon and uh, applying for ISBN numbers. I am talking specifically about printing and uh, trying to market our own materials from uh, uh, pieces of paper in, in a printing uh, folding and stapling and the whatnot, and then uh, my plan was to do the shows. There were a lot of comic cons, zine fests, these sorts of things that are little indie things that you can do. Uh, that's my plan. Uh, what my other two friends are gonna do? Uh, the one who's okay. Let me let me just start at the beginning. Uh, we're, we're starting is often most effective. The first friend, my best friend, uh, she is finished with her book and has just received the box and oh, cracked open the spines and checked it out and they are beautiful books and this is these are art books it's just a collection of art she does uh, a lot of uh, paintings and drawings of uh, birds and whatnot including my little bubby bebo uh and uh her book is beautiful her artwork is beautiful and she's got uh, a, a business doing selling stationery and whatnot and paper goods so she's already got herself set up on the, on the, 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 the Etsy and the whatnot and this, this, the uh, third-party sales uh, things to jour. The second friend is writing, is writing a book of poetry and, and, uh, and uh, illustrations and paintings uh, uh, going along with the poetry. And he's, you know, probably 90% complete. I want to talk about that one. That's an interesting idea. And then me, I'm working on a, a book of comic strips, a, a small uh, related uh, a, a sort of se sequential uh, comic strips things. Now, what's the important thing? Uh, they're all going to be manufactured locally or whatever and, 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 and then in small quantities and then sold in, in various ways, right? So the question comes up, and I was talking about this with my best friend, the one who's finished, because she finished her book and it's beautiful, and she's only sold one copy so far. Uh, and she's disappointed. And uh, it made me think about discussions that I've heard and have had, and we started having a discussion, about uh, whether or not you work on things that have a market or whether or not you work on things that you're passionate about. Or whether or not you're lucky enough that they both overlap. I don't think any, everyone is that lucky. Uh, it, and, and then the person who's writing the book of poetry and artwork, uh, there is a very limited market for even contemporary, uh, 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 legitimately, sorry to use that word, but quote-unquote legitimately published uh, poetry. There's a very limited market for any of that. I did I, I only hear about poetry when I'm listening to the Bookworm show on KCRW out here uh, 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 with uh, with uh, 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 Michael Silverblatt 
a bookworm. I'm listening to that guy. That's when I hear about this stuff. I'm not browsing the, the poetry section. I love poetry and everything, but, but uh, you know, a limited market. Yeah, what's my point? That guy, I asked him about that, and he said he don't give a shit. And I mean, I think that's very interesting attitude, and I, I think I share that attitude. And that, it had to do with, well, he wants to make three books. He already planned it all out. They're all related in a way, and uh, that's what he's going to do. Okay. It's a terrible business decision and model, right, to do that. Uh, here's why. Because the investment on making a book, and I'm looking at this myself, is, you know, about three, five hundred large. Not large. What am I saying? Three or five hundred dollars to do a hundred books. Uh, uh, you know, small things. It, it varies, but depending on papers and all that stuff. But you're looking at you're looking at a significant investment of hundreds to get a box of a hundred. Uh, you know, folded and stapled things that you may or may not ever see the light of day. How does that feel? Uh, to know that there may not be any interest in those things. Uh, so the standard wisdom, I think, would be to go out and, and, and put feelers out. Uh, check the air, as it were. Uh, and here's where, I, uh, here's where I'm talking about checking the weather before going out or entering the closet. Or just putting on the outfit that you feel passionate about that day. What if you wake up and want to wear green or purple or fuchsia or whatever? Uh, uh, in my case, I'd be out of luck. I have a lot of grays. But if I wanted fuchsia and I got a fuchsia outfit, I should wear fuchsia that day, right? What if it rains? What if it's my suede fuchsia outfit? Oh, no. Be ruined. Well, I don't know. I, I, I feel like philosophically you got to live your life in a certain way, right? And you have to be, you have to be, uh, you have integrity. And be authentic to, you, to yourself, your passions, your feelings. Checking the weather before you go into the closet. It's just, that's a terrible analogy. It doesn't hold at all. I'm following it through. Checking the weather before you go into the closet. It doesn't address one of the fundamental needs of being a human being, which is I need to feel today like me. I need to feel motivated to be alive. I need to have something that I care about going on today. And checking, you know, if it's raining outside or snowing or whatever, that doesn't necessarily fit with your personal needs for today. To get you going in the morning, you know. Uh, better analogy, sometimes I used to eat oatmeal because I had high cholesterol. And oatmeal didn't get me up in the morning, that's for sure. Uh, but it was, it was, <laughs> forget these analogies, they're stupid. My point being, it's not always about what the market will bear. It's it's often about what you need to do to get through the fucking year, right? I think so. And that's a book of poetry and artwork uh, from someone who is not very well known at all and, and has questionable uh, uh, skills as, as a poet and an artist, perhaps. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, this person isn't the greatest, and they're not that well-known. How is their book of poetry and artwork going to fly? I'm asking you this. How is that going to work out? Uh, you know, 
It's like my self-published memoirs. Is anybody going to want that? I doubt it. I might sell a couple to some curious people at a show, if I'm lucky. But for the most part, ain't nobody interested, right? And you, you kind of have to know that going in. That this is a... That there's limited market for this. Oh. I'm all over the place on my list. The magical motivation from nothing is... Uh, is basically passion. Waking up every day and having a passion for what you're about to embark on. And I have found that that magical motivation comes up when I feel invested in what I'm doing. When I feel passionate about what I'm doing. When I can visualize the thing that I'm going to produce at the end of all this hard work. And I see it will fill me with joy to see that thing produced. And that's what I was telling my friend about the with the, the art book she produced. It is a gorgeous book. She should be very proud, but she gets caught up in the business part. And I understand. I understand. You got to make money. And when, you're, when, you've, when you've wrapped your career and your artistic goals up together in a, in a little bundle, they can't be... It, it's, it's, all, it's all a complicated, convoluted mess. And it can't be undone. It's very hard. And yeah, she's not making a great living because she, she isn't seen by enough people. It's not because she ain't talented. It's not because she ain't working hard. It's because, you know, you know how that is. It's about, it's about lots of factors and some of them have nothing to do with you. Most of them probably have nothing to do with you. What's my point? She had passion to produce this project. It kept her going for three or four weeks. She was talking about it. She loved it. She was happy. But as soon as it's produced and it hits the market and it doesn't go well, then all of a sudden all that stuff's lost. The magical motivation's been destroyed, you know. Much like many mystical things that that drive us every day. As soon as you start picking it apart, you ruin it. Is that a good metaphor? No. Uh, I think, personally, I'm working on this thing that I know nobody in the world wants. Nobody! Nobody wants it. But I'm extremely motivated. And where does that motivation come from? It comes from a feeling of me wanting to achieve it at the end. It's magic. Uh, and why should I wrap that up in a bundle of with, with, with business concerns and market analyses? As if I'm doing a business plan and I have to go get a loan from a bank and the bank's wanting to know, well, what other businesses like yours are achieving the things that you want to achieve? And what other... Blah, 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 blah. I'm not trying to get a fucking loan. I'm just going to get up every morning and work on this until it's done and I'm going to be happy. I hope. And is there anything wrong with that attitude? Uh, uh, weeds in the garden always do better than the ginger. I'm trying to work on a garden. I've been gardening for a couple of years now, I think. Trying to, to grow things. And I'm very into ginger at the moment. And that, that's another story. I love ginger and I'm working on ginger, making ginger things. So it, it's easy enough to grow ginger. It sprouts... If you leave it in a, in a dark place, it just sprouts like a potato. <clears throat> ironically, uh, the uh, not ironically, the organic ginger sprouts and the uh, store-bought others, uh, non-inorganic gingers do not sprout. So if you need any sort of proof that organic is something in, in, of value, you might want to look at that. You can grow that stuff. 
what's my point? I've been growing a lot of ginger in the back. And it, it gets to a point and then it dies. And it doesn't do that well. But I notice all around the ginger there are weeds. And those are what we might call in another context a native species or something like that. But the weeds always do better. It's not attended. It's not something that I... I uh, it's not something I established a need for. It's not something that I, that I decided to uh, spend a lot of time on and, uh, and, uh, and uh, basically nurture and, and bring up from nothing. It's a weed. It just appeared. And it does, it thrives. What is this analogy about? I think, for me, everything that I've ever done that came just either subconsciously or from something that I felt strong passion about did a lot better and went a lot further than farther than uh, things that I uh, I thought through and felt like there was a need for in the in the marketplace, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I felt like I was able to see the weeds thrive more than the manicured and the, the, the nurtured and the, the the foreign object that I that I stuck in the earth. You know. Uh, I don't know what I'm getting at with that. I just, I felt like, I, I feel like that expresses something a lot better than I'm able to. The idea of, <coughs> pardon me, the idea of a weed just sprouting up from nothing. It's like tons of ideas are like that. And those ideas may not have actually an application, that, 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 you know, a logical application, but they, for some reason, they thrive. Uh, throw cracks in the pavement. There, weeds will grow. Uh, so says Jarvis Cocker. Okay. Uh, it may give you purpose, but there's no market for it. Oh, this is the bane of my life. Of course there's no market for it. We live our lives in the United States this way. Everything's got to have a market for it, right? It's got to have a business model, and it's got to make money. And otherwise, it's worthless. And I reject this idea culturally, and I'm trying also to reject it personally, uh, you know, in my psyche there. Uh, because I think that idea sinks in. It keeps seeping in. It's like raw sewage into the ocean. It can't, you can't get it out. It's in, oh, it's in the groundwater. It's, uh, it's bad. It's like chemicals in the groundwater. You can't get it out once it seeps in. And it's bad. It's a bad philosophy. That, that everything must have market value to have value at all. Some things have intrinsic value. I'm sorry. And those things, the things that get you out of bed in the morning and the things you feel strongly about, those have intrinsic value. Don't worry about whether or not it has a market value. I think. Uh, now, that's easy for me to say because I have a day job and then people who have sort of wrapped their business up in their art practice, they, they don't, they, they can't have the luxury of that. And I recognize that. That is a complication for sure. I, I'm working on an answer to that. I'm trying to think of an answer to that because I don't want a day job. I want to have my art practice wrapped up in my business. And when we, when you do that, you become a lot like the United States government. You're trying to figure out everything that you do that's for the common good also has to be good for the economy because as only they are all they are one and the same, right? There's, there's absolutely, philosophically, of course, 
there's absolutely nothing that is of value that cannot be financially viable or monetized. And I, I think it's a bullshit way to live your life. And I don't know how to work out the details of that yet. How do you, how do you make a living and not have, to, not have to live under that philosophy, under the burden of that philosophy? Because, God damn it, it's a toxic philosophy. Personally and, and culturally, it's toxic. It, it makes it so that we can't move on anything that actually matters because there ain't no money behind it. So it drives me crazy when I hear my friend talking about how she's disappointed in her, in her book, ultimately, because she wasn't disappointed before it came out. She was happy. Much as I am right now, working every day on the thing I'm working on, I don't want to think about the rest. I don't. I don't want to think about whether or not anybody's going to care. Honestly, big picture, ain't nobody care about anything you do. There's like a, a small, very tiny percentage of things that are creative, that are made, that have any sort of lasting impact on anything. Think about it. Very big picture, very big philosophical picture. Nothing you do in your lifetime will matter. And the one percent of the people who may, who, who might hear a message like that might be able to legitimately say, no, that's wrong. I'm going to make something that matters. The rest of you <laughs> and us are not going to do anything in our lives that make one tiny bit of difference to anyone ever. Except the one person who looks at it and is moved or whatever. There's going to be a small percentage of people who achieve uh, a large cultural recognition. And the rest of you, us, get to play to a percentage of, of an audience that's so tiny that, that it will mean something to them. And if that's not enough for you, if you also need money and you also need fame and renown... I don't know what to tell you. You're going to be disappointed. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Get used to disappointment. Okay. Uh, which is a dip in financial and emotional investments. Basically, when you put out your own material and you pay for it, uh, you're investing in something that, you know, both, both emotionally and financially, that, that may not have any uh, legs. And you may, you are, you're going to operate your business at a loss, as they say. Can you be okay with that? Is that okay to operate your business at a loss and to feel the, uh, the sting when it is not received with the enthusiasm you had hoped? Can you be okay with that? Because I think if you can't be okay with that, everything you make has to be uh, manicured and, and, and nurtured like a garden. And when it don't grow, it don't grow and you don't plant that thing again. Right? To mix all of my analogies up. I don't think I need that. And I want to be like my friend who's doing the book of poetry and art. Because he didn't give... He didn't give a shit about that. And I respect that. It is foolhardy. No doubt. And, and if he were to maybe produce like 6,000 copies of that thing over in China and... Uh, and he put printed on the best papers stock uh, available, and you know sink his mortgage into it or whatever it is to, to, to make that clear. 
I would maybe advise him to go a little smaller on that. But but other than that, you should do it. If you're going to have to drop a, a, a 500 to a grand to put out a passion project, I say do it. Why not? Who cares what the market holds? Are you going to be able to live with that thing for the rest of your life? <laughs> and the box that sits in your garage for the rest of your life as well. But uh, uh, you, what I mean is you have the pride of that for the rest of your life. You have the accomplishment of that for the rest of your life. Nobody can take that away from you. And no market analyses is going to be uh, as valuable to you as, as knowing that you were able to do that and have that thing in a, in a tangible form. To me, to me, that's enough. Just thinking about that. Uh, a set list mostly from the new album. Oh boy, I could go on and on again about my story how Robert Smith from The Cure was very upset that nobody wanted to <laughs> wanted to hear uh, uh, all of the new cuts from uh, the Blood Flowers album uh, at the uh, uh, the state festival I went to upstate, the '80s festival. Uh, but uh, and and he just didn't feel the audience. I, I could tell that story again. I'm not going to. By the way, sorry, the thing I'm not going to say again is, by the way, Robert Smith, if, if you, you might be at an 80s festival if uh, Echo and the Bunnymen opened for you. It, it just it, Echo and also the Bunnymen opened for, for the cure at the, at the festival. And, he was, and Robert Smith was a little disappointed that all of those people expected to hear 80s hits. Interesting. <laughs> I, I will not go into that again, but uh, that plays like a Jeff Foxworthy bit. <laughs> you might, if 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 Kasha Gogo and Missing Persons is on the B stage, uh, you might be at an '80s festival. Uh, if you're backstage doing blow with one of the Thompson Twins and uh, and uh, the other guy from Wham, you might be at an '80s festival. I just where did it wise? Robert Smith. Instead, I think I wanted to say that uh, I remember uh, uh, going to see the Pet Shop Boys in, in Los Angeles, and they had a new album out. And the Pet Shop Boys are, are uh, almost a solid three decades past their prime, but they, I I love them. Anyway, a bunch of people showed up to that concert expecting certain things from the Pet Shop Boys, and the Pet Shop Boys wanted to play the things from Minimal. What was that album? Minimal, yeah, yeah. And uh, they didn't, they didn't respond with the greatest of enthusiasm until until West End Girls was played and whatnot. And uh, I guess I'm saying if the Pet Shop Boys want to live their lives and continue to make music, uh, they probably don't need to worry about what the market will bear. You know, if the Pet Shop Boys was worried about what the market would bear, they wouldn't come out with new music. They would tour with the old stuff. Basically being a, a tribute band to themselves, if, if, if that were the case. And I'm just saying that's... All of, all of the people who are, who are well-known now, all of the artists I can think of from contemporary art history, who were well-known for a certain thing, the market expects that of them. And, uh, and also, and or, the market has forgotten about them. And they probably continue to make... Music and art, uh, regardless. And maybe they don't sell any of it, and maybe that's disappointing. I don't know. But does it matter? 
I mean, can I, can I care if you don't? And can I do it again? And I think the answer is yes. And this is maybe why I get a little bit irritable about Kickstarter and people trying to, to finance their own personal passion projects with Kickstarter because uh, there ain't in any guarantee that the thing you're going to produce will be interesting to anyone but you. And uh, maybe if your Kickstarter campaign didn't get funded, you don't make your thing right. You don't make your project. But maybe that's a loss for the world and for you. Because who the fuck knows whether or not uh, the audience you've assembled at the, at the moment is the audience that will appreciate what you're ultimately doing long term. Or maybe, just maybe, it doesn't matter what the audience thinks. Because you got to live your life. And uh, living your life with passion and with motivation uh, shouldn't be all wrapped up in what an audience thinks of you. Maybe, just maybe, there's a bigger picture there. So I'm going to sink, you know, three to six hundred dollars into a into a book that I self-publish. And, and uh, I'm not really going to worry about whether or not it sits in my closet. I think. No, I know. What, will that be disappointing to me like it is with my friend? I Maybe. Maybe it will. But that's no reason not to do it, you know? Because I didn't get funded or, or uh, nobody seemed to express interest in it. Doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. That's all. Yeah, thinking about that recently. Uh, and excited. Motivation's still there. Uh, still moving forward. And, and happy about that. And trying to find value in that more than uh, the rest. Okay, that's that. Uh, okay, this is Leonard Angelo.